If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. This podcast is produced by a ministry called One Whirling Adventure. Now, our mission is to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. And so, most of our episodes do that, explain and educate, and so, hopefully, excite and equip Catholics and curious non-Catholics to consider and embrace Catholicism. But today, I want to explore a topic that doesn't seem like a booster commercial for the Catholic Church. Because while I think that any fair-minded and rational consideration of Catholicism will excite and educate people, to equip listeners to share and defend the Catholic Church, we sometimes have to talk about its challenges and how we need to respond to them. So, here's today's topic. Just what happened to Catholicism in America over the last 50 or 60 years? Because over the last half century, the Catholic Church in America has taken some real hits and they've left some real dents in its fenders. So, let's frame this whole question with a little historical perspective. In the 18th and 19th centuries, Catholicism was a minority religion. It was harassed and even persecuted in Protestant America. But as waves of Catholic immigrants came from places like Italy and Ireland and Germany and Poland, the Catholic Church in America exploded in numbers, influence, and prestige. It built institutions, schools and universities, hospitals, charities. Through the early to mid-20th century, these institutions grew, and ethnic Catholics patriotically embraced their American identity. The Catholic Church in America represented the vitality of these ethnic communities. As the children of these immigrants gained prosperity, power, and respect, so did American Catholicism. And so, by the 1960s, the American Catholic Church had perhaps achieved what so many earlier American Catholics could only have imagined. It was rich and respected and incredibly influential in American culture. Its institutions were among the most prestigious in the world. And then, well, and then the world changed. America changed. Cultural revolutions, sexual revolutions, technological revolutions, all of these moved fast and they affected Americans at the most personal levels. They altered the chemistry of American society. And the American Catholic Church, comfortable but embroiled in its own internal controversies, was caught flat-footed, unable to respond quickly and effectively. Now, the Catholic Church in America has changed dramatically in the last 50 or 60 years. But before we get to the why, let's look at the what, the data that documents
documents those changes. The statistics that I'm going to share with you come primarily from three reputable sources. The Pew Research Foundation, Gallup Research, and the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, which is a Catholic research institute at Georgetown University that has been compiling statistics from diocesan records since 1965. First, the good news. The number of self-identified Catholics, so these are people who list Catholic as their religious affiliation on surveys and census forms and whatnot, has actually increased over the last 50 years from 48 million in 1965 to 76 million in 2018. Now, I stress this represents people who self-identified as Catholic on surveys. Also, as a percentage of the total population, self-identified Catholics remained relatively constant since 1972, dropping only two percentage points from 27% to 25%. Although Pew's research shows that the number dropping to about 20% over the last 10 years, so there's a few differences depending on which source you look at. But still, that's during a period when the number of self-identified Protestants has shrunk even more dramatically. And the number who self-identify as no religious affiliation, sometimes called the nuns among researchers, has exploded. And, well, that's pretty much all the good news. About a fifth to a quarter of Americans still call themselves, or think of themselves, as Catholic. Now, the bad news. How do these American Catholics practice their faith? And what do they believe about it? Well, let's start with attending Mass. In 1970, about 71% of American Catholics reported that they attended church at least once a month, and 54% reported attending every week. By 2021, those numbers had dropped to about 36% for monthly attendance and 17% for weekly. And as it wasn't just among young people, across all age groups, mass attendance has fallen to about half of what it was a half century ago. So, while the number of self-identified American Catholics has nearly doubled, the number who actually attend mass has been cut in half. When you look through all the stats by my back-of-the-napkin math, In the United States, maybe a quarter of self-identified Catholics actually attend Mass more than a couple of times a year. So, in a typical American parish, no more than one in five people that are on the parish rolls will be in church on any given Sunday. Now, what do these self-identified Catholics, a quarter of whom attend Mass, believe about Catholicism? Well, again, let's start with the good news. This data comes from the Pew Research Center's Survey of Self-Identified Catholics in America. 64% of them believe in God and are absolutely certain. That's almost two-thirds. 27% are somewhat certain. So, the good news is that about 90% of Catholics are at least somewhat certain that God actually exists. 58% say that religion is very important in their life, and 32% say somewhat important. So again, the good news is that about 90% of Catholics say that their religion is at least somewhat important to them. And 59% say that they pray daily. 
while 20% pray weekly. So again, we've got about 80% of American Catholics who pray at least once a week. And 85% of them believe there is a heaven. That's the good news. But now let's look at their involvement in the church. Again, only 36% say that they attend Mass regularly. And when it comes to involvement in the church, in the local parish, the news gets even worse from there. So, only 34% say that their affiliation with Catholicism is, quote, strong. How many report that they participate in prayer or scripture study or religious education ministries at church? 17% say once a week, 9% say once a month, 10% say several times a year, and a disappointing 63% report that they seldom or never participate in any prayer, Bible study, or religious education, like the Lakeshore Academy for the New Evangelization, for example. How big of a role does the church play in their morality? Well, when it comes to deciding what is right and what is wrong, 30% of American Catholics look most to their religion for guidance, while 48% rely on common sense, and 10% rely on, quote, science. And that's not surprising, because only 30% of American Catholics believe that there are clear standards for right and wrong. 67% say that what's right and what's wrong depends upon the situation. And most don't know what the Bible says about right and wrong, because 52% of them seldom or never read it. And 28% say that the Bible isn't the Word of God anyway. But for more than a third of Catholics, the consequences of moral decisions don't really matter anyway, because 37% either don't believe in hell or aren't sure. Half of self-reported American Catholics believe that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. 70% say that homosexuality should be accepted. 67% believe that the church should recognize gay marriage. 76% believe that the church should permit birth control. 62% believe that priests should be allowed to get married. 59% believe that the church should have women priests. 62% believe that divorced Catholics should be allowed to receive communion without getting an annulment. And 61% believe that cohabitating Catholics should receive communion without having to get married. And that's not surprising, because only 31% of American Catholics believe the church's teaching that the Eucharist is actually the body and blood of Christ. And so, how many Americans no longer even consider themselves to be Catholic? In 1970, there were three and a half million, quote, former adult Catholics, those who were raised Catholic who no longer self-identified as Catholic. Today it's closer to 42 million. That's an increase of 1,200%. So, what have all of these changes in belief and practice brought about in the Catholic Church in the United States over the last half century? For the last few minutes, we've looked at what self-identified Catholics tell researchers, 
So when a researcher calls them on a survey or they do a reporting form or uh, different kinds of you know, focus groups, this is how they identify their own beliefs and standards. But what I'm going to share with you now comes from CARA, the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, this Catholic research institute at Georgetown University. And it's been compiling statistics from diocesan records since 1965. So what I'm going to give you now are hard numbers that come directly from Catholic parishes and dioceses in the United States. Okay? In 1970, there were 18,000 parishes in America. Today, there are 16,000. Now, at first you think, well, that doesn't sound too bad, until you notice that 3,300 of them, 20%, have no resident priest. Which isn't surprising, because there aren't really enough priests to go around anyway. In 1970, there were 59,000 total Catholic priests, diocesan religious, in the United States. In 2021, there are 35,000. But that includes senior or retired priests. So, in 1970, 90% of diocesan priests were active in ministry, meaning that they were of an age to serve full-time. But today, only 66% are active, which means that we have just under 16,000 priests that are not retired, which is just under the number of parishes. So, that's a lot of numbers coming at you. Let me unpack it. In 1970, there were 1.8 priests per parish. Today, it's one. And when you consider how those are distributed between large and small parishes, you have hundreds of parishes without a full-time pastor. In 1970, there were 160,000 religious sisters in America, nuns. They staffed our schools, our hospitals, and our parish education programs. And frankly, their service represented a, well, a business model. They made those organizations viable because they worked as a vocation. But today, their number has dropped by 75% to only 39,000 Catholic nuns in all of America. And that includes retired sisters. Similarly, the number of religious brothers, so Dominicans and Franciscans and Benedictines, has fallen from 11,000 in 1979 to 3,800, including the retired. Speaking of Catholic education, in 1970, there were 9,300 Catholic elementary schools in America with 3.4 million students. Today, there are 4,800 with 1. million students. In 1970, our parish faith formation programs were providing catechetical instruction to 4.2 million children. Today, 1.8 million. And all of this is reflected in sacramental records. In 1969, there were a million infant baptisms in Catholic parishes across America. Last year, 411,000. And no surprise there. Because in 1969, Catholic parishes celebrated 426,000 weddings. Last year, in all of America, 97,000. So all of this is very sobering, somewhat depressing. Are there any silver linings hidden in these dark statistical clouds? Well, 
if you look hard enough, maybe. But we'll get to that in the next episode. But first we have to ask, what in the name of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph happened? Why did Catholicism in America crash from where it was in 1960 to where it is now? Well, at this point, the blame game kicks into high gear, and everyone starts pointing fingers at each other. But the truth is there is no one answer, no single cause to all of these catastrophic trends. But if we're going to turn these trends around, then we're going to have to apply ourselves to at least analyzing and understanding what happened, as frustrating and depressing and confusing as it might be. But as we do, we should bear in mind that correlation is not the same thing as causation, which means that just because events or trends happened more or less at the same time doesn't mean that one thing caused the other. If we plan a church picnic and it rains, it doesn't mean that the picnic caused the rain. I think a lot of things were going on in the world and in America and in Christianity in general and in Catholicism all around the same time over the last half century. And so it's truthfully a convergence or a cluster of multiple factors. And so in no particular order or scientific precision, let me suggest five elements that have converged over the last 50 or 60 years that have affected the Catholic Church in America. Now, this list is not exhaustive. And in other words, I don't think that these are the only five elements or forces at work. In fact, this is going to be a two-part episode. In part two, I'll give you some more reasons that Catholicism and the Catholic Church have lost strength and influence in America. And in that list, in the next episode, I'm going to get much more specific about the attacks upon and failures by the church and suggest some ways that we can equip ourselves to live, share, and defend the authentic and historic Catholic faith in the 21st century. But first, these five factors that I'm going to share are are general. They're, They're broad reasons why the church's position in American culture has shifted. Again, in part two, I'll drill down on more specific ways that the church was weakened by outside attack and internal failures. But before I get to the list, let me state what should be obvious to anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while. I love the Catholic Church. I joined it willingly, knowing its faults. Because I would ask what Peter and the other apostles said to Jesus in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. In that chapter, the crowds had abandoned Jesus, and he asked the apostles, Will you leave me too? And Peter replied, Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. The Catholic Church, even a smaller and somewhat battered church today, is the body and bride of Christ. It has not only the words of eternal life, it has the life-giving sacraments. And it is the enduring witness to and the custodian of truth and goodness and beauty. I will die a Catholic because like G.K. Chesterton, the primary reason that I became Catholic is that I believe that Catholicism is true. But we must be capable of 
occasional self-reflection, self-evaluation, and to read the times that we live in and learn from our mistakes. And that's part of One Whirling Adventure's mission. So here are five general reasons for why the Catholic Church in America lost strength and influence over the last half century. Number one, it took success for granted. The Catholic Church in America rode the waves of Catholic immigration to America, and that produced great saints and an impressive system of schools and orphanages and hospitals. The number of parishes, especially ethnic parishes, exploded. It gave birth to a vibrant Catholic culture in America. And over time, that culture became embedded in the broader American culture. Catholicism by the mid-20th century had become part of the establishment. It became respected. Its schools and universities, its parishes and cathedrals, its hospitals and social service organizations became household names. They became premium brands like Notre Dame University and St. Patrick's Cathedral and the St. Jude Children's Hospital. Catholics were bankable movie stars and singers, war heroes and politicians, academics and athletes, even televangelists like Fulton Sheen. And so Catholicism became successful. Our parishes and schools were packed. But the missionary focus and fervor and the work ethic of immigrant saints like John Newman and Mother Cabrini that had built the American church began to fade. The great-grandchildren of Catholic immigrants became successful Americans and no longer looked to their parish communities for support. Perhaps in some ways the American Catholic Church sat back to enjoy the view from the summit that it had climbed so far to reach. And then it slipped off it. And once it began to tumble, it gained speed like a, like a snowball. And it, it didn't know how to stop the slide, much less turn it around. Number two, its success was a mile wide and an inch deep. Maybe the Catholic Church in America wasn't as strong as it appeared to be in the late 1950s or early 1960s. Its numbers were certainly impressive. It had celebrities and buildings and strong brands. But how many of those Catholics sitting in the pews really believed? And how much of their participation was due to peer pressure? How much of it was cultural Catholicism? Because if you grew up in an Italian or Polish or Mexican Catholic family and community, it was just expected that you would go to Mass on Sunday, that you'd get married in the church, and you'd send your kids to Catholic school. How many people sitting in the pews were bored, wishing they could be somewhere else? And then America went through the cultural revolutions of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. People became mobile. They moved away from the communities that they were raised in. They found themselves in an America that no longer expected people to even get married, much less go to church on Sunday. And so, because they didn't have to, they didn't. To me, it seems like this goes along with the previous factor, that the church maybe took a lot of it for granted. When Catholicism was outwardly successful, did our priests and bishops stop preaching for conversion of heart? 
with a full parish and a full collection basket? Did they stop teaching the faith and cultivating discipleship? And did they spend their homilies telling, you know, funny anecdotes and making jokey political points and yucking it up with parishioners at bingo night? I don't know because I wasn't there. But I do know for a fact that that was happening in Protestant churches in America around the same time. And it led to a similar collapse in those denominations. Number three, America in general became less religious. We have to be careful to put everything that we've been talking about in this episode into context. Because the decline in belief, practice, and institutions didn't just happen to the Catholic Church. The same surveys that I quoted by Pew and Gallup and other researchers show that Protestant denominations suffered a similar collapse, in many cases, a much worse collapse. In fact, the number of people who self-identify as Protestants shrank from 62% in 1962 to around 40% today. Church membership of any kind among U.S. adults fell from a high of 76% at the end of World War II to about 40% today. And that's reflected in data about declines in attendance, participation, marriage, and beliefs in Protestant denominations. So over the last half century, America became a much more secular nation. We're still more religious than most European countries, but we're slowly catching up with them. Just under half of America still has any tangible, meaningful religious beliefs, affiliations, or practices. And we can see that reflected in everything from our cultural tastes to our politics to, well, the current news cycle. Go on the internet and look. Catholics weren't and aren't immune to the broader trends of the society that we live in. We should be, we'd like to be, but the reality is we just aren't. We live with and we work with and we're entertained by people who don't share our faith. And so we end up adapting, being conformed to our environment. Catholics in America have become American Catholics, Americans first and Catholics second. Number four, the revolutions. Just how did America become such a secular place in the last 50 or 60 years? Well, again, there are dozens, maybe hundreds of factors that have converged to make our culture what it is. But three major revolutions took place over the last half century. The kind of revolutions, like the Industrial Revolution, that end up altering the course of history. The first was in communications and transportation what we might call a globalist revolution. Telephones, live television, and travel by air, followed by the internet and cell phones, sort of shrunk the world. And so now, whatever's happening in Japan or Argentina or the Ukraine or Syria, in a sense, is almost as close to us as what's happening today in Indianapolis. We can talk see, share ideas, values, and religion with anyone anywhere on the planet at any time. And this was seen, and in many ways is, a a great thing. But it also dilutes the value of families and neighbors and parishes as influences on our lives. Because in the global village, we're, we're close to everyone. So in a sense, we're close to no one in particular. 
The second revolution was in sexual beliefs and practices. Now, since the dawn of humanity, the basic organizing unit of life was the family. That complex dance of boys and girls who become men and women, who then become fathers and mothers, and grow the next generational limbs of their family trees. That, that was the foundation of how humanity lived, how we understood ourselves, how we saw the world. But the sexual revolutions of the last 60 years have broken that basic framework. We're now largely autonomous individuals, constantly redefining our relationships or even our gender. The third revolution was in digital technology. We're still living through this exponential change in the fabric, the structure of life. We now have tools that people a century ago could never have imagined. But we don't just use these tools. In some sense, it's like the tools use us. They shape how we think, how we live, what we do with our time, our money, our lives. They end up redefining what it means to be human. Now, all of these revolutions changed how we lived, how we loved, how we communicated, how we transported ourselves, how we worked. In fundamental ways, they've altered what it means to be human. But, and this is an important point, Catholicism is an incarnational faith. Its greatest truth is that God became a man to change us. And so Catholicism is built around lives that are lived through families, through schools, through parishes, through our cathedrals. And over a half century of mind-blowing, rapid-fire, revolutionary change, all those structures and systems, well, they didn't react fast enough to respond to these challenges. They were caught on their back foot trying to play catch-up, always sort of behind the curve. And so, the church in America basically lost three generations. Number five, the great forgetting. And so, as a result of all of this, we're living through something that I like to call the great forgetting, in which the wisdom of thousands of years of Western civilization, learned through hard lessons and paid for in blood, is simply being forgotten ignored, rejected. Those statistics that we saw earlier about how many American Catholics reject the teachings of the church? Since I've entered the Catholic church, my observation is that most Catholics don't know the teachings of their own church. It seems that almost every day I'm meeting people who tell me that they went through faith formation programs, Catholic schools, they were altar servers and parish council members who seem to be, well ignorant of the doctrines of their church. Why is that? Was the education badly done? Did they not pay attention in class? Did they forget? Did their priests not catechize during the homily? I I have no idea. I wasn't there. But something went wrong. Because anecdotes and impressions aside, the data we looked at, well, it speaks for itself. And so now, American Catholics have become disconnected from their church's history, identity, and beliefs. There is an enormous amount of work to do to reconnect them, and it will take many voices, many ministries to do that. 
One of those is One Rolling Adventure and this podcast, as well as the Lakeshore Academy for the New Evangelization. The task is big, it's necessary, and we need your help to make it happen. So to wrap up this episode, the world changed in big ways over the last half century, and so did America. Now, of course, the world and America have always been changing. But it was the dimensions and the velocity of these changes over the last 50 or 60 years that Catholicism was sort of unprepared for. It was caught almost by surprise. It took two to three generations just to figure out what was going on, how all of this was impacting our faith and church. But now, I, I hope, we're starting to catch on and maybe catch up. As the data that we saw at the beginning of this episode indicates, we're in a whole, a qualitative and quantitative deficit. Our numbers are down, our problems are up, and too many of our people have forgotten, or never learned in the first place, the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And so Catholicism in America has, in some ways, lost its sense of its own identity. We end up arguing about what it means to be Catholic in America in 2022. And because of this, many Catholics have stopped being hopeful and confident and missionary. But what got us into this mess also points the way forward. We have now a chance to reevaluate how we live, how we practice our faith, the institutions that structure our lives, the culture that we choose to invest our time and our hearts into. We have the opportunity to rebuild and renew stronger than we were before. But in order to do that, we need to drill a little deeper to understand the strategy and the tactics that Catholicism's enemies have used to attack it. Because it does have a lot of enemies who are pretty open about their motives, and we can't ignore those threats. We have to understand them to equip ourselves to defend against them and to regain lost ground in the culture. And we have to be honest with ourselves about ways that we have either fumbled or failed to keep the faith. Many of our wounds are self-inflicted. And only if we do that can we equip ourselves to live, share, and defend the historic Catholic faith in the 21st century. Part two of this episode is coming soon. So check back wherever you get your podcasts, or better yet, subscribe for automatic updates when new episodes are released. And will you hit like buttons and share buttons wherever you can for this podcast and consider supporting us financially so that we can continue to grow this ministry to excite and educate people about the historic Catholic faith and to teach them to live, share, and defend it in this new century. Thank you for listening. Considering Catholicism is produced by One Whirling Adventure a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a simple mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. We depend completely on your generous donations. Learn more and consider supporting our ministry by visiting oneworlingadventure.org.